You're clean, aren't you? Except for your tower. You're a tower junkie, Roland. Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. If this is your first time listening, uh, Tower Junkies is a podcast devoted to Stephen King and his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series. We discuss the themes, characters, and mythology of the series in Palaver episodes and review the books and comic series in Keth episodes. We also discuss King novels related to the, to the Dark Tower, non-Tower King novels, TV and film adaptations of King's work, and the latest news about potential Dark Tower-related adaptations. You can find more of our work at TowerJunkiesPod.com and follow us on every level of social media at Tower Junkies Pod. I'm your host, Matt Hurt, and with me is my co-host, Tiny. Hello. Hi. You just turned 31. I did yesterday. Congrats. I celebrated by working for 15 hours. Uh, welcome to your 30s. Adulting. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm a little tie-tie. Nice. Yeah, uh, today was actually my first day back at work. Oh, uh, look at you. After like five consecutive days off. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's... Oh, it was nice. Nice. It was so nice. Impromptu five-day weekend. Yep, yep. I had a four-day. Nice. Because we got like an ice storm on oh, Friday, yeah. and I was supposed to go all the way up to Muncie. Nice. And I was like, no. <laughs> so I didn't. <laughs> nice. And they were like, that's fine. They didn't, like, my boss really didn't care. So That's awesome. Yeah, it was cool. Nice. Well, today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about Sleeping Beauties, finally, because um, it's been out for a while. We've both finished it a while ago. We just haven't had time to sit down and record about it. But before I do that, or before we do that, do you, you have any Stephen King check-ins or anything? You know, I wish I did. <laughs> I have really been slacking on uh, on reading. Mm-hmm. It's because I kind of the new job-ish thing, or promotion or whatever Mm -hmm. um working more hours and you know the holidays got to me yeah yeah the holidays how were your holidays they were great actually yeah Yeah. i think this is the first episode of tower junkies we're recording this year i think so yeah yeah it is it definitely is yeah awesome uh well that's good that's I'm, i'm glad did you get any like stephen king related gifts or anything no i didn't ah not that cool huh dang yeah well well really me neither I'm trying to think if I had any check-ins. I didn't make any notes of any. Um, oh, I do have one news item to talk about. That's. Did you read the post that I shared? That was about this the guy. The fire. Yeah, it was flood. Flood. Flooded basement. I saw the headline. I didn't get a chance to read it. Oh my god. Okay, so reading this article, I honestly, I don't like. Like I just felt so upset for this guy because it's freaking heartbreaking mm-hmm. um so let me go ahead and read a little bit of the article here it's i mean it is heartbreaking it's from the bangor da- bangor daily news it's uh, the headline is original stephen king manuscripts among items ruined by downtown water main break and so i'll read a quick excerpt from here um let's see Okay. When Gerald Winters moved to Bangor Bangor from Thailand a little more than a year ago, he had one goal, to open a rare bookstore with every conceivable edition of Stephen King's books, including manuscripts and first editions, a collection that took him two decades to amass. 
but Winters was dealt a devastating blow Tuesday morning when a water main burst on Main Street almost directly in front of his business, uh, Gerald Winters and Son. The broken main flooded his basement with chest-high water, soaking the pages of dozens of first and limited edition King's King books, mm. galleys, signed copies, prints in different languages, rare ephemera, and seven of King's original manuscripts. Damn. Uh, he kept the rare items, such as such some of which uh, he some of which he traveled all over the world uh, to collect in his store to to show people not to sell them. Hmm. And so uh, it says he estimates he lost about 2,000 books and as many as seven of King's original typed manuscripts, including <clears throat> Dolan's Cadillac, Maximum Overdrive, and The Eyes of the Dragon. He also collected rare and signed copies of works from J.R.R. Tolkien hmm. and uh, George R.R. Martin, some that date back 80 years. And my God, just... Uh, uh, it, it goes on to say he estimates that only about 10% of his entire inventory was unscathed by the flood. Like, uh, wow. and then this, this broke my heart. Uh, quote, there's a first edition of pet cemetery. He said, pointing to the waterlogged book sprawled on top of a box near the back of his basement. Like, mm, Ouch. That's, it's, it's painful to read. Like, I can't imagine how just devastating that is. No kidding. Um, yeah, and uh, there was a follow-up article that Stephen King said that he like he feels terrible for the guy, and he said eventually he Stephen King is going to see if there's something that he can do. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I don't know what that is. I I thought the phrasing was kind of funny, like oh, eventually I'll I'll figure out if there's something I can do. <laughs> <laughs> Kick the can down the road a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's it's really heartbreaking. That sucks. Yep. And then uh I thought I had some other some other King related check ins. Oh, I guess I do. oh, I bought the uh Blu ray of it. Oh nice. Yeah. Um so yeah, so I I watched it again. It holds up really well. Mm-hmm. Um other than that, I guess I don't really have that many other check ins or anything. Okay. Yeah. Um so do you want to dive into our Thoughts on Sleeping Beauties? Let's do it. Okay, sweet. So um, as normal, we're going to have a non-spoiler discussion, which I think in this case is just going to be a pretty broad uh, kind of um, broad strokes feelings on the on the book, and then we'll dive into a more detailed spoiler discussion. So here we go. Um, the plot summary for Sleeping Beauties per the... Um, Plot description on uh, Amazon, actually. I don't know why I almost said Yahoo. (laughs) Um, The plot description is as follows. In a future so real and near, it might be now, something happens when women go to sleep. They become shrouded in a cocoon-like gauze. If they are awakened, if the gauze wrapping around their bodies is disturbed or violated, the women become feral and spectacularly violent. And while they sleep, they go to another place, a better place where harmony prevails and conflict is rare. Um, so yeah, so this was a novel that was written and co-written by uh, Stephen and Owen King. It was their first collaboration. And I know that Owen King has at least one novel out called, um, oh, Double Feature. Um, okay. Yeah, I haven't read it. I've, I own it. Are you aware of it at all? Have you read it or anything? Not at all. Okay. Um, I think it's actually kind of funny. I think it's about... Uh, a guy who 
either inherits like an antique theater or something, but there, it's something about a, a man and his relationship with his dad. So I think that's kind of interesting. I think it's kind of a um, fractured relationship. Okay. But uh, they collaborated for Sleeping Beauties. The way that it's described or the way that I've, they described in interviews and stuff is that uh, Owen pitched Stephen the idea. Um, they were having dinner or something, and he was just like, oh, hey, what about this story where all the women on the planet fall asleep in the – they don't wake up. And then, uh, Steven kind of like went with that. I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. You should write it. Please write it. (laughs) And then they eventually decided to just collaborate on it. And, uh, now we have sleeping beauties. Mm -hmm. Um, this book is long. It is. It's it's about a thousand pager. Um, so tiny in kind of broad, 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 non spoiler terms. How'd you feel about, um, sleeping beauties? And did you audio book it? I did audio book it. And I kind of hated it. Um, <laughs> hate is a strong word. Mm-hmm. I really didn't like it. <laughs> um, I, I just to start with something positive. I love the idea that mm-hmm. uh, Stephen King and his son Owen collaborated on something. I think that's a cool idea. Um, you know, two heads is better than one. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think that the fact that it was a collaboration is what I didn't like about it. Like, I think I don't, I don't think that was detrimental to the story. Mm-hmm. Um, at least I, I couldn't pick up on it if it was. Um, but that, that was like one of the only things about it that I liked is that it was a cool collaboration. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, for, for me, it was, um, it was, it was pretty, pretty disjointed. And I think it was a little out of character for Stephen King. Um, the setting was out of character. Um, and it just seemed, it seemed really, really pretty contrived to me. Um, just not, not very original. I, I didn't, I didn't feel that kind of Stephen King spin, you know, cause sometimes he'll, he'll use a premise that's not specifically original, like Salem's Lot's about a vampire. That's not, that's not original at all, but he makes it his own. And that's, that's why that's a good book. Uh, but, but this, I, I really could not, I really couldn't see the, uh, the king of it all. I, it wasn't, wasn't there for me. And, uh, I can get into some other, other reasons about why I didn't like it later, but the broad strokes are that it was just very disjointed and, and out of place, I think. Interesting. And, you know, I, I'm going to share a, a few of those same sentiments. Uh, I wasn't too crazy about the book, but I, I think I appreciated it or I, I enjoyed it a bit more than you did. But um, I could definitely see, I could definitely understand the kind of disjointed nature of it um, because there are really good elements to it. Like the kind of, the thing that Stephen King is kind of known for doing or at least doing in these long form stories that span thou- a thousand pages or more um, the kind of breakdown of society and, and breakdown of, of, you know, human instincts, I guess, in the face of, um, a, a catastrophe, either local or, or global. Like those things are kind of where he shines a, a lot in a lot of his past stories. And the moments where this book handles that aspect of the story, I think worked really well. It was very engaging. Um, but, some of the other elements just did not work for me that well. Like, um, there, 
a lot of the kind of character motivations and the uh, um, the drive of a lot of characters just didn't feel like it was seated properly for me, um, and it just it just left me kind of not really as invested emotionally in the story as as I uh, would have otherwise been with really any other Stephen King book. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's the worst I've read of his, but it's one that I definitely wasn't as engaged with as much as I would have liked to be. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and let's kind of just go right into a, a spoiler discussion then, because, I mean, we could kind of beat around the bush and, and talk about it, but I think that it's it's been so... Uh, for the sake of our listeners, we, we actually finished reading it a while ago. Mm-hmm. So it's not as fresh in our minds. So I think that instead of just kind of trying to go around, instead of trying to just sidestep spoilers, we're just going to dive right into a spoiler discussion of Sleeping Beauties. So if you haven't read Sleeping Beauties yet, go ahead and turn this off and go read it or, or listen to it and then come back and, and listen to our discussion of it. But, um, if you have read it, then we are going to go into spoilers uh, right after this little clip here from somewhere. I'm not sure what music I'm going to put here, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, we're going to go into spoilers right now. Okay, Tiny, so we're spoilers on for Sleeping Beauties, and one of the things I noticed... Um, Right off the bat, bat obviously is that it's not a main story. It's it's set in Appalachia. Mm-hmm. Um, do they uh, they have a name for the town? I think it's a fictional town. Is De- it Deming, West Virginia? Is that what it is? Denny. Did I just make that up? It sounds right. It's somewhere mm-hmm. in West Virginia, though. Um, I don't know if it's if it's real. I don't think it is. But, dueling, um, dueling. That's what it was. Dueling, dueling West Virginia. Yes. Um, yeah. So it's a little it's a little different from what from what I'm expecting of. A, King novel. Not that every novel of his needs to be set in Maine or set somewhere in his main like fictional universe, but mm-hmm. it's uh it was kind of it was kind of surprising. And for the most part I kind of I kind of liked it. Like the the kind of perspective that it takes of like um of like the sher- the chief of or sheriff of the town or is she the chief of police? She's, uh, I think she's the sheriff of the county, actually. Sheriff of the county, okay. Yeah. Like that, like, I think the setting works well, like, in those opening pages where we have Eve, uh, basically massacring the, uh, the drug dealers in, in the, in the trailer. That felt, that felt like, uh, it felt like it established the tone of, of, uh, the setting and, and what's to come pretty well. Yeah, especially with how graphic it was. Yeah. Um, I think kind of the horror or the um, gore, if you will, uh, is is really shock. It's pretty shocking in the book. Um, mm-hmm. Like, you know, when they uh, – several of the stories where men or boys try to remove the yeah. cocoon and they're basically like like rabid zombies. Mm-hmm. Um, it made me think of like 28 Days Later. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. And that was that – was, pretty visceral and I, I liked that but that was all it was all sort of um secondary yeah. to, to the primary story and n- none of that really um n- none of that kind of stuff really like drove the story it was just kind of a, a consequence and see that i'll agree with you there like that kind of seemed like stuff that was all going on in kind of kind of the periphery of the story right and and this is jumping ahead quite a bit but um I don't know. It'll be more of a laid back review, I guess. Yeah. But 
um, like I thought that that was a really engaging plot point of like you know these people uh, I think they were called like the fire brig- fire brigade or brigadiers or something right but they basically are setting these women on fire and it's kind of like what like that's their response to this thing is like we're just going to murder these women in in the hopes that you know everything will be okay or something the logic and outline in the book makes a little bit more sense it's not a logical action obviously but yeah um but just like this thing going on in the background and then you get like that's an engaging idea and then you get you know the uh uh dr norcross kind of like him being in the in the prison and kind of in charge of the prison and suddenly he's in charge of protecting eve for really not not really that clear of a of a reason like she just kind of calls and tells him like oh hey i know all this stuff about you and everything and you have to protect me um (sighs) otherwise if i if they come and kill me everything could be could be gone and i'm just like that it just kind of that came out of nowhere and that drove the rest of the book and it was a thing that it just feels like it wasn't seated enough it was it was just very lacking for me yeah i think her character really missed the mark um Mm. which i hate to say because that's Stephen King's strong suit is developing characters, but mm. I think she was supposed to be like a man in black kind of character, like yeah. very, very manipulative and seedy and uh, gross, for lack of a better word. Sure. Um, but she, at least the, perf- I, I listened to it on Audible, mm. and so like the performance may have been off, but she had this very cheery, boppy kind of voice for yeah, her. Yeah, I noticed that. And that just seemed very out of place, um, and she was, she's very flippant about a lot of things, and it's like, if if you're such a big deal, why aren't you taking this more serious? And that that's kind of the attitude I had towards her towards that character i I love the character like that's a cool Mm -hmm. that's a cool character and i I like i like her her dynamic in the story Mm -hmm. but just the delivery of her and and a lot of her dialogue and her attitude throughout it i thought was just really misplaced see Um, yeah and i kind of i agree with you part way um i thought that it was an interesting character choice to have her um be this kind of Oh, I don't even know how I'd describe it. Like you said, kind of this flippant, easygoing yeah. kind of personality. That's the adjective that could come to mind is flippant. Yeah. Um, I kind of, I liked the performance itself. Um, like I, I enjoyed that actual, um, the, the choice to play it that way in the, in the auto, in the audiobook. But I, I mean, it didn't do any favors to the character. Yeah. See the, I'm glad you brought up the the performance of the of mm-hmm. the uh, the reader because I think that was my biggest issue with this whole thing. Um, it was read by uh, an actress named Marin Ireland, mm-hmm. who I'm not really familiar with at all. Apparently, she's most famous for Hell or High Water uh, last year. Oh, interesting! Which was a fantastic movie, but I don't really recall her performance. Huh. Um, I'm, I'm not familiar with her at all, but. Um, just to give her credit, she had a huge task with, yeah. there's probably 30 or 40 speaking parts in this book. I oh, mean, yeah. it's a huge cast of characters, um, and it's so long, and it's, uh, you know, a regional dialect. That's, that's a challenge, and it's very challenging. Um, and, and, and I think she, she did fine. I, th- I think she actually did well in a lot of cases, but, uh, th- this is, this is totally just my reaction to it. I don't, I don't even know if this is a legitimate criticism of her, but there, there was one character that she did 
I don't even remember which one. I think it was one of the, I'm fairly certain it was one of the prisoners, mm-hmm. uh, the female prisoners who was like extra trashy rednecky. Mm-hmm. And her voice was a dead ringer for Bobby Hill and King of the Hill. Oh my a God. A dead ring. Like, Hey there. Like it really was. And I could, I could not get over it. I was like, she jumped the shark with that. I could, I could not. And from there on out, I would just, (laughs) I would hear little twinges of that in every other character. And I was like, nope, can't connect to anybody in this book. Wow. Yeah. And and that's not necessarily her fault. I don't, it's totally just my reaction to it, but that, that took me out of the book so far. Yeah. Um, I could see that. And I definitely, like, I am having like vivid, like, audio flashbacks in my mind right now because that it was exactly like that yeah um and and that didn't really bother me at all it was just uh, to her credit yeah it is like you said it is a lot of characters to keep straight and a Mm -hmm. lot of a lot of a lot of different vocal voices to do well and in addition to that character I, i don't remember the character's name but um there was another one. It was uh, again. I don't remember his name, but he was kind of pivotal. The he, the prison guard who was fired for yeah. sexual misconduct, um, mm-hmm. and later gets deputi- deputized, and he's very uh, crass and mm-hmm. a dick. Um, her voice for him was. It seemed like a textbook voice that a woman would use when she's imitating like. A dumb oafish guy. I could see that, yeah. And he's a dumb oafish guy, right? So like that's that's fitting, but but it seemed kind of rote. the per, the performance was yeah was just very uh, cliched, cliched, cliched. Yeah. That's a good yeah, just like a cliched performance for that kind of character. Um, okay. And again, I don't know what direction she should have taken it instead of that. I I, I can't speak to that. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm trying not to criticize her too much. It's, right. Like I said, there's only so many voices you can do. Right. Um, but that those things just graded me. They just graded on my nerves, and I mm-hmm. could not. I just couldn't get into the book for those reasons. Interesting. Uh, well, to kind of switch gears a little bit to the actual story. One thing that I actually did really enjoy for as long as it lasted in the in the book was the kind of the um not necessarily the breakdown of society although that was a big part of it too mm-hmm. but the the different accounts of the different women who were trying to stay awake as long as possible yes and kind of the futility of it in that they knew that like there was no way that they could escape it. It's just like they like they could pump themselves full of as much caffeine or mm-hmm. or drugs to keep themselves awake. But it's just it felt like there was this over um um this cloud ho- hanging over it that there's literally no way they can escape doing that. And that's one of the things that I really enjoyed about the book. And that's I mean obviously that's one of the reasons why like I like the Nightmare on Elm Street series or at least the mm-hmm. the first one is that it plays with that type of story where it's someone who is um stretching their minds in in their 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 like they're physically stretching their themselves past an past an uh their most fatigued moments specifically because they don't want to go to sleep because they could be they could never wake up right um, that was one element that i really liked about it that and then um yeah, let, let's. I guess talk about that. Yeah, I agree with that because that's that's the kind of like minutia and and detail that kept me into the story. Mm-hmm. And again, it's it's stuff that Stephen King does so well. It it reminded me of uh, 
Salem's Lot when there's that kind of hour by hour, minute by minute accounting oh, yeah. of a certain time period at the, it kind of reminded me of that except spread out over the whole mm-hmm. book. So I, I enjoyed that as well. I, I think it's, it's kind of like little micro stories mm-hmm. within the main story. Yeah. Um, that's, that, that was good as well. I agree. Now, when we've talked recently, um, on the podcast, you have mentioned that it reminds you of another Stephen King book. Now, let me yeah. guess what it is. Okay. Um, I have it down to like two. Um, is it under the dome? No. No. Oh, interesting. Is it the stand? No. No. It, is it, <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, it reminded me of Cell. Oh, okay. Yeah, which also wasn't very good. No, that, I mean, I honestly think that, that might be my least favorite of really? those books that I've read. Yeah. Yeah, I like I liked Cell better than this. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I need to, I really need to revisit Cell. Yeah. But, do you? That's, <laughs> <laughs> but that's really interesting because I, I thought, like, okay, well, it has to be under the dome because it's the, it's a society that's entirely, like a small community that's entirely broken down and then they have factions that rise up against each other. And then I thought the stand, cause there's this mythical person who is kind of pulling strings and mm. trying to guide people one way or another, but no, it's just sell. You know, I, did, like I didn't 400 page yeah. zombie book that I don't even remember that much. I didn't, uh, I didn't draw those, uh, those similarities actually. I should have, Interesting, um, but I didn't, I think it's just cause I was so, disenfranchised with it or yeah so unhappy with it yeah cell was kind of a tough book to get through yeah um for as short as it was right um but yeah i mean i can i can definitely kind of feel i i can i can see that yeah that being uh i can see that connection right um i i feel like the story was um was sort of overcomplicated with a lot of things i feel like it was juggling so much at the same time that mm-hmm. none of those none of the individual stories within the story got enough time. Mm-hmm. And so like, I mean, there was like Dr. Norcross at the prison. Mm-hmm. There was Lila doing her thing, mm-hmm. um, on the other, in the other universe mm-hmm. or the other dimension. And then there was Lila, they call it the other place. I don't even remember. Yeah. Uh, Lila trying to figure out if her husband was cheating on her. Yeah. Um, which that, that subplot, it felt, that so pointless of, to me. It really, it really did. Like it kind of felt like um, it, it would have been so much more endearing if they were very close to each other and were mm-hmm. like trying to get back to each other. Or, oh, that would have been nice. That would have been yeah, yeah. I kind of feel like that. That kind of felt like they, like Owen and Stephen, were trying to fill time or fill pages until they could get to the next like act of the story. Yeah. Um, cause as soon as like, I mean, it's the, it's pretty much resolved after like right around Lila, the time Lila falls asleep finally. Right. Um, right. But one thing that I kind of think, I don't know. I kind of wonder in hindsight's 2020, I mean, maybe I, I don't know. I, I kind of think that it would have been more interesting if they didn't have anything to do like anything, anything with the other place, if it was just solely about our world, the women falling asleep, and then this magical woman causing chaos and everything. I think that would have been a much more interesting type of story that could have led them to write better arcs for all the characters mm-hmm. instead of jumbling it across two different realms. Right. Because as soon as we got introduced to the other place in it, I was like, there's another thing I need to keep track of and yeah. I'm 
this isn't it's weird and it, it wasn't really working on me because I wasn't as invested in the characters that were involved in it. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like, like you said, it felt like it over, overly complicated the book. Yeah. Um, yeah. And one, um, subplot that I actually really did like was Jared Norcross, his whole arc in the, in the book and, uh, how he, he was in love with, a with his friend, I think Sarah, and like their connection, I thought was very, very well done. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a very sweet kind of thing. But again, as soon as like she falls asleep and we get into this whole, like I compared it to Under the Dome, where you know they have this this place, the the prison that they're kind of protecting people from, and then they it eventually breaks out into this kind of war, this battle, mm-hmm. and everything. I just felt like what, like I just I didn't feel a strong connection with really anything um, yeah. going on. Yeah, and that that was like the central conflict. Really, yeah. was the whole the 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 new sheriff Frank, I think. Yeah, Frank kind of getting the a posse together to take on the prison. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the central conflict, and yeah. you know, it all revolved around Eve, yeah. and and that was just given so little time. It really, I agree. I, I was intrigued by it every time. I, yeah. I think Frank was an ill-conceived character because it started out with the whole him with. Animal, with this, something with a dog that got hit by a car. Um, he was such a convoluted piece of shit. I hated that. Sorry, <laughs> it made me so mad because he ended up being such a pivotal character, and I was like, "Wait, who is this guy?" Yeah. Oh, this is the guy who got pissed off when the guy hit the dog with his car, and what? I was yeah. just like, "What's happening?" I want to say that Frank was the um, animal. Uh, what is the word? Animal control guy. Who, right. He was overly protective of his daughter. Right. To the point where he was all, he was kind of violent a little bit. Yes. Um, and he beat the shit out of the doctor who then ended up helping him, which I thought that was an interesting dynamic, but in a book that's cluttered with so many different like yeah. elements that, that aren't connecting as well as they should, it kind of got, it kind of fell by the wayside. Yeah. Um, I think it would have made so much more sense to, to like the guy who kind of gets the posse together to basically just be like the number two at the sheriff's department. Yeah. And he would have been there from the beginning with Lila and mm. right in the heart of the conflict instead of just this weird way in from a whole other story. I just, that just threw me for the biggest loop and I had no, I just had such a terrible concept for, of his character and what his, what his motivation was throughout the whole freaking book. And yeah. he ended up being such a central character that it just kind of ruined that plot for me. Yeah, I, I agree. And yeah. I mean, I feel like I don't really have that much else to really talk about with it. Yeah, but I thought some of the um, some of the descriptive writing was really good. Um, mm-hmm. Most notably, the part where I think it's Lila has the kind of like what she thinks is a hallucination of the tree. Uh-huh. That was like really vivid to me, and I actually mm-hmm. liked that. I liked that descriptive writing a lot. Yeah, with the um, fox and everything, kind of yes. goading her to follow her, follow him along. Yeah, like very mythic. Yeah, mythic kind of writing. I enjoyed that a lot, and then which, yeah, like with that. Sorry, sorry. Um, well, in the descript the descriptions at the um, they kind of kicked off the book at the trailer home when oh, he, yeah. he was like that was also just like really descriptive. And, mm-hmm. I enjoyed some of that stuff. There's other examples as well. But. Like that whole like beginning part of the book is really, really engaging. It's maybe the most engaging part of the book for me mm-hmm. because you have this mysterious woman that just slaughters these people in this trailer and blows up this meth lab. 
And then you have her walking in the middle of the street, if I remember correctly. Naked. And naked. And, like, yeah. Lila stops her. And then, like, she knows instantly, like, everything about her. <laughs> Lila, right. Like, your name is Lila Norcross and <laughs> all that. And it's, I don't know. It's just, it like, that. that's a really good way to open a story. It just did not follow through on anything, really, from that point on for me. Right. But the... Um, but the whole idea of, like you talked about Lila's quote-unquote hallucination, which at the time I thought, this is a really incredible scene because mm-hmm. like, this is really fascinating and like this is what it's like to be in the head of someone who has been awake for God knows how long. But then I kind of, and I like the kind of mythic a- aspect of it, but I feel like they doubled down on that way too much. Like Like the whole idea of Eve being able to control animals and talk to animals and, mm-hmm. and like the, the whole rats thing. It just felt like it felt like again, in a book that they have tons of stuff that are just piling on for, um, for everything without any kind of sense of cohesion throughout it. It just kind of got lost, lost in the shuffle. So like at the point where we are introduced to the tree and the, and the Fox and all of these animals and, and everything and the other place, it's like I'm kind of struggling to keep up, and I'm thinking, like, is is the fox really talking to her? Like, is yeah. this really a thing? Right. Um. It just it just did not connect with me. Me either. It seemed um, so out of place. Yeah. Ugh. Um. Yeah. Do you have any other real thoughts on it? I feel like this is a super brief episode. I know. I just yeah. I don't really know what else there is to say. Mm-hmm. Um. Also, the part where. I, I again I liked the idea of the women who fall asleep, their consciousness or whatever transports to this other dimension or mm-hmm. something. I don't I don't know, the upside down. Right. Um <laughs> a cool idea and, and I actually liked the execution a little bit, but I feel like again that was rushed a mm-hmm. lot because you had there was had to make room for all these other storylines and characters. I think the quote unquote debate that the women have about whether or not to just basically start over mm-hmm. in this dimension, which is kind of what they're presented with. You know, they're presented with the idea of you can choose to stay here and start over or go back. And th- I feel like there's not a ton of debate there or the debate could have been fleshed out a lot yeah. more, could have been a lot more philosophical and, mm-hmm. um, metaphysical but it just it it wasn't it was pretty it was all pretty straightforward and mm-hmm. and and brief just very brief and yeah. I, I wanted to see that i wanted to sit in that a little more and see that explored mm-hmm. but i feel like stephen king's thrives in those moments like like the man in black and and roland their palaver their palaver uh mm-hmm. towards the end of the gunslinger i wanted something like that where they're like totally. there's this like presenting of ideas mm-hmm. and that was almost entirely absent from that yeah, storyline. It there's a bit of a almost a jump to it's like it's like the book misses a few steps in mm-hmm. going from like oh there's there's this whole other realm and then oh they have this whole little society they're foraging and they're 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 fending for themselves and stuff. It's like where like I, like that is enough to that that concept is enough to cover its own book. Like it just seems muddled down with everything else and then. Yeah. And I mean, maybe part of my kind of disconnect with the book also is that when it comes to like the, the prison thing, like I, 
I couldn't help but draw parallels in my mind to like like The Walking Dead and mm-hmm. the prison stretch in in The Walking Dead and how right. it just felt like it was kind of kind of just uh it kind of felt like it was not rehashing it but it just felt like it was borrowing from from that type of thing like oh they have to defend this place they have to s- protect this person it just felt it just felt not developed well right. well enough for me like right. it wasn't a developed well enough for me yeah i agree yeah um, um so, oh it, real oh, quick mm-hmm. i think you've read this other stephen ah. king book i think this is maybe a little i don't know maybe a little bit of a spoiler for the wind through the keyhole oh yeah i've read it okay was the tiger in this story the tiger from the wind through the keyhole i don't think so Okay. Yeah, I I didn't pick that up on it. I didn't. Okay. I didn't pick it up on pick that up. Okay. I yeah. I haven't read the wind through the keyhole. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I haven't read it yet, so I ah. that need, that maybe that'll be my next king book. Ooh, yeah. Um, but uh, I I know that it involves an immortal tiger. Oh yeah. Like, I, but that's really all I know. I don't really know okay. anything else about the wind through the keyhole. And so I saw the tiger. I was like, Ooh, is this, is this the tiger? Oh yeah, definitely not. Damn. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I did not pick up on any dark tower references. Yeah. This one. Yeah. Um, I thought that was it. Damn. Nope. Nope. Um, yeah. What do you, what, uh, what is your next Stephen King book going to be? I, well, I have, uh, different seasons. Oh yeah, that's right. I've had that sitting on my table next to my bed for two or three months, <laughs> basically uh, since yeah. I finished this. Right, and I've started it twice, mm. and I need to start it a third time and actually read it. <laughs> right. Um, but I I have went through the keyhole. I have the hard copy of it. Um, I need to, and it's not even that long, is it? No, no, it's very brief. <sighs> I, yeah, maybe that. But the thing is, again, it's all packed away mm-hmm. in my basement. Yeah. I was going to say like, oh hey, whatever you pick, we're that'll be the next one we review down the road. Okay, but and I'm going through my my library on Audible. Have you read the Bill Hodges trilogy, Mister Mercedes, uh, Finders Keepers, and from Abuicate? Is that one? No, no, no. But I haven't read any of those. Interesting. Maybe that should be our next one. Okay, like Mister Mercedes would be next, and then that can be like a project for this. We can. Read and review. What's it called? The Bill what? The Bill Hodges trilogy. Okay, I'm not even familiar with that. Yeah, it's Mr. Mercedes, uh, uh, Finders Keepers, and End of Watch. It's his uh, okay his trilogy from the last. uh, I think it's over the course of the last five years or so. He's wrote Hmm. he wrote three of them, um, all centered around this this kind of grizzled old, uh, older kind of detective guy named Bill Hodges. Okay. Yeah, Hmm. I read Mr. Mercedes and I I enjoyed it. there were some issues I had with it, but I haven't. I I rebought it on Audible to uh, to listen to it. So, and they have a TV series based on it. That's, okay, has one season. So, yeah. Okay. Yep. So anyway, um, that's a little peek behind the curtain. Um, yeah. I don't think we really have much else to say about Sleeping Beauties, though. Yeah, I. Um, I don't think I do either. I know. As soon as we stop recording, I'm going to remember something, but. Um, yeah, so so that I guess that'll do it for our review of Sleeping Beauties, and yeah, so uh, let us know what you thought. You know, tweet us at Tower Junkies Pod, and like the Facebook page at Facebook.com/slash Tower Junkies Pod, and uh, yeah, let us know what you thought about Sleeping Beauties. Let us know what we should have touched on or what we didn't touch on here. Um, 
yeah, we'll be back. I think next week we might. You know what I was honestly thinking about doing, Tiny, is just doing like a palaver episode that's just us just talking about stuff about the series, about the Dark Tower. Because I know that we have a couple of um, Facebook posts or Facebook comments and tweets and and uh, at least one uh, iTunes review that asks some questions about our opinions on some things. So okay. we can kind of do that, kind of like a... Extended potpourri, Dark Tower style. Okay. Um, yeah, that's cool. This. Yeah. So, all right. Well, look, be on the lookout for that. And I think that's going to wrap us up for for Tower Junkies for for our review of Sleeping Beauties. Um, before we go, is there anything else you want to add, Tiny? Uh, I don't think so. All right. Well, me neither. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening and long days and pleasant nights. And may you have twice the number. Thank you for listening to Tower Junkies, a Dark Tower podcast presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at TowerJunkiesPod.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can find ways to do that at TowerJunkiesPod.com slash donate, or become a patron for Obsessive Viewer at Patreon.com slash Obsessive Viewer, for recurring donations with different reward tiers. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can contact us by emailing us at matt at obsessiveviewer.com or by tweeting us at towerjunkiespod or at obsessiveviewer and at obsessivetiny. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash towerjunkiespod. For more podcast content from ObsessiveViewer.com, check out Anthology, my solo side project podcast where I'm reviewing The Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer and exploring other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology television shows. You can find Anthology at AnthologyPod.com and anywhere podcasts are found. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts, Chad and Amanda. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the app of your choice. Once again, thank you for listening to Tower Junkies, and we'll see you next time.